Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. And um, I call it Attempt Great Things for God. Attempt Great Things for God. Um, a missionary by the name of William Carey, um, uh, one of the founding pioneers of missions, by the name William Carey, gave this quote, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God, but do what? Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. So we're looking at attempting great things for God. When you look at the world, you'll imagine what unbelievers attempt for their selfish reasons what people attempt to do for themselves, the risk they go, how far they go, the commitment they put in for things that are temporary, the energy, how far people uh, would forsake pleasure, would forsake comfort, would f some people even literally forsake families just to Maybe put food on the table. The risk that people take. The time that people commit. The energy that people put in. In trying to get things done on the earth. William Carey said, attempt great things for God. You know, in life, you might not be able to achieve everything you attempt. But it's also good that you attempt some things. Praise God. I said praise God. So attempt great things for God. When it comes to the things of God, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. I talked, I talked to you about that on Sunday. Don't let God be at the outskirts of your life. Let him be the center. Attempt great things for God. Attempt to do something for God. When, when the Lord, you know, when I got called into ministry, I, re I realized that there were ministers that will do ministry and do other things and do ministry and do other things. And I told myself, I said, these people, I mean, the people who do other things, you already have enough people doing that. Why not those of us that the Lord has called? Let us focus on what he has called us to do. Let us stay on what he has called us to do. Attempt great things for God. Let's look at the extents in which we deny ourselves. Comfort, pleasure, money, 
just to get things done in our own life. It's important that we also have that same mindset towards the kingdom of God. Praise the name of the Lord. To attempt great things for God. I want to read two passages and build from there. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 23. Attempt great things for God. This message is to stir your heart in line with the things of the kingdom. 2 Samuel chapter 23. When the missionaries came to Africa many years ago, they did not come because Africa was a beautiful place. They came knowing that they were going to die. They came knowing that they were going to be sick. They came knowing that they were not going to return. They didn't come because, uh, you know, I know people say, oh, the, the, the white man, he gave us Bible. While we were reading the Bible, they took our land. <laughs> That's not why they came. They didn't necessarily come for your land. They came to bring you the good news of Jesus. And they did not come because they would be comfortable. You know, our greatest, one of our greatest problems in Christianity today is we have learned to define everything in our doctrine by comfort. Everything in our doctrine by comfort. And that's why it's difficult to even get missionaries. Nobody wants to be a missionary. It doesn't make sense. To say, uh, go to a place where there is no light. You, you can't. How will you survive? How will you have data? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. How will you have data? It's unimaginable. If you see the way people run away from ministry like it's a curse. In fact, sometimes if you jokingly call people pastor, they will reject it. I go forbid. I am not to. Hey, you people are trying. Which people? <laughs> And if you say engineer, say yes. Doctor, yes. If our people go and buy doctorate degrees to answer doctor. Attend great things for God. In 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 15. Let's read from verse 14. David was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, look at this. David said with longing, he was hungry. Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gates. So, three, so the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this, is this not the blood of men 
who went in jeopardy of their lives. Underline that statement. Is this not the blood of men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. David was a king. He was leading these people and they were in a particular place. And David just said, oh, how I desire that um, I'll drink water from the well that is in the Philistines. It's like saying, uh, I want to drink water that is in the place where my enemy is. <laughs> you know, if you were to be a member of David's camp, you would say, fine. You know, they have been telling us that this man wants to kill us. But we didn't believe. But today, it is clear. You know, imagine we are at war against my mic keeps going. Imagine that we're at war against, um, just leave it like that. Imagine that we're at war against a particular um, tribe and then the well is there. Now what you realize, what you realize is that David says, that's the water I want. That's the water I want to drink. And Three men heard David. David did not say, you, 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 go give me that water. He just said it. It was just a desire. It was just a longing. And what happened? They heard it. And they risked their life to bring water for David to drink. In fact, David says they jeopardized their life. What I want you to realize is that that is just the desire of an earthly king. That's just the desire of a man. A man just desire to drink a certain kind of water. You know, some of you women have that. Your husband just say, ah, I wish I can eat, you know, and name the kind of soup. That's not jeopardizing your life. You, you go to the market, you cook. But here, this guy wanted to drink water. They could have said, David, listen, you see, Water is everywhere. We know you want the water of Bethlehem, but please, for the sake of our lives and our children, drink this water. I want you to see the extent to which, um, I want you to see the extent to which natural men went to satisfy the longing of an earthly man. How much more when God desires that all men be saved, how far can we go to get this to happen. How far? What, what do we do? What can we do? How far are we willing to make sacrifices to see that the kingdom of God goes further? If Christianity were to run the way we're running it, are you sure we will ever, we will ever advance? A natural man says, I want water. Three men jeopardize their life to bring water and we can hardly get people to even follow up so oh, there's a brother who just joined the church can you please follow them up ah pastor there's no time even me i need follow up we always do not have time we always do not have money for the kingdom oh why no when you give to church ah it's the pastors that are using it ah pastors are just getting rich look at them flying private jets all over the place can I tell you something? 
If you take the percentage of churches, of wealthy churches, against the percentage of churches that are struggling to get their needs met, it's almost 15 to 85%. Are you following what I'm saying? I can tell you, as, as an individual, pastors, pastors that call us daily, to either help them pay their children's school fees, to help them with house rent, to help them with the church rent. I can tell you pastors that are struggling. The problem is you take a few who are well-placed and you run that across everyone. Don't think that every ministry is like us. A thousand times, no. Some ministers are called, genuinely called, but they haven't developed their faith enough for the resources for the work. And for some of them, their faith, we have to help them until they get to the point where their faith can carry the assignment as God has put in their lives. But I want you to see this description. It says these men jeopardized their life. They, they literally did not count their life death to them just so David could drink water. Until we begin to see our lives from that perspective, we will never attempt great things for God. Praise the name of the Lord. We will never attempt great things for God. I'll show you another man. Go to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter. Nehemiah is after Chronicles. Ezra. Nehemiah chapter 2. Tell your neighbor, attempt great things for God. The way you are saying it, I'm not sure anybody will want to attempt great things for God. Can we say it one more time, loud and clear, want to go? Attempt great things for God. This is better. You know, it's just like, attempt great things for God. It's almost like saying, don't try to. <laughs> Praise God. Attempt great things for God. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 3. And he said to the king, may the king live forever. You remember, uh, let's look at verse 1 quickly. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan that the, the 20th year of the king, you can read the name, fill in the blank places, when wine was before him, that it, I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I have never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad since you're not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tomb lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Okay, so you realize that uh, Jerusalem, which we can say is a type of a church, was, was burned down. And here Nehemiah was serving the king. And as he was serving the king, he, he was sad. And this is a good thing. This is a good thing about Nehemiah. You know the good thing about Nehemiah? The king says he has never been sad in his presence before. You know, for some people, when they are sad, it's almost like their natural habitat. It's when they smile, we, we now begin to wonder what's happening. Because they live sad. But this is a beautiful testimony. Imagine a servant serving you for many years and he's never been sad. If Nehemiah was constantly sad, the king would have said, this is one of those days for Nehemiah. 
We, must, we go through a lot in life, but we must make sure that we are representing the joy of the Lord to people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We make sure that the joy of the Lord is what we're presenting to people. So, the king began to talk to him about, and he says, how can I be happy when the land of my father lays in ruins? The thing that struck me about Nehemiah is that he was comfortable. He was living a comfortable life. Imagine that they took slaves and then they said, go serve the king. I mean, your life is going to be beautiful. At least if you're serving the king wine, whatever wine he didn't finish, you will finish it. <laughs> and if you are going to serve the king, what's going to happen? You're going to dress properly. The king is going to dress you properly. The king is going to take care of you. Nehemiah could have just said, ah, this one. And you know, in those days, you couldn't be sad in the presence of the king. The king, those days were not kings that would say, you know, I mean, this was just the mercy of the Lord that the Lord asked, uh, that the king asked him uh, about what was wrong with him. But what I want you to see from the life of Nehemiah is that even though Nehemiah had a comfortable lifestyle, his heart was pained by what was going on in Jerusalem. And even though he was in comfort, he asked the king, that, verse 4, then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed. To the God, so I prayed to the God of heaven and I seek and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah to the city of my father's tombs that I may rebuild it. Now, the question I'm talking about, I'm talking about attempting great things for God. The king asked him, What do you want? He says, Send me back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Who was talking about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem? A servant, a servant. Did he have money? He didn't. But because there was a burden in his heart for the things of God, he wanted to attempt great things for God. Three things I want us to pick from the life of Nehemiah. Number one, although Nehemiah was comfortable, his heart was in Jerusalem. You see, let comfort not turn our heart from the things of God. Praise the name of the Lord. When you see, the, when, you see when, you, when you go to places and there are no churches, what happens? You, you go to a, a city for vacation or you go somewhere and you realize there's no church here. You just realize. You know, some of you have come into this ministry, you were in other churches, and you have realized uh, how well you're taught the word of God. You have, some of you have grown spiritually. Some of you have seeing the word of God taught what burden do you have that others will hear this truth I remember one, one day I finished teaching and a brother met me and says uh, I wish that people in my states would hear this message can we go on radio that's what I'm talking about in as much as I love to teach here every day what makes me travel why, why do you think I travel? It's not comfortable to travel. You must know that. You know, for, some people think flying airplanes is enjoyment. You think so? You, uh, you know, the, when I've, I've not started flying, I used to like, ah, oh, man, how come somebody say flying this before to just sit down and like, but you realize that <laughs> it's not as sweet as you think. I remember I was going to Ghana. I entered this plane, very small plane, tight plane, everything, although the flight was short, the seats... You are asking yourself, Lord, when is this thing going to come down? And sometimes you're up, you have this massive turbulence. You, don't, you know, sometimes you don't even know what to pray. 
Just say, Lord, unto your hand I commit my spirit. <laughs> it's not as beautiful as the pictures. But why? What? What? Some of these trips, we, we have to pay our own way. Those money should have gone into our buildings. Those money should have gone into our clothes. Those money should have gone into something. Why do you think we do that? It's a burden so that more people can hear the word. If I stay here and I'm preaching to you every day for the rest of my life, probably the only people that would hear me would be maybe 200 people. There are 7 billion people in this world who needs the truth of God's word. That's what compels us. That's what shapes our choices. Are, are you following what I'm saying? That's what it should be in your heart. That we can do something to get this message out. It should be a burden that more people will come to the truth of God's word. We're not planting more churches so we can say, oh, we have one million churches. No, because we realize that there is a famine of God's word on the earth. The people go to churches and they are not fed. People go to churches and they are taught wrong things. Imagine sitting, on, sitting in a church and you're being taught how you are under a generational curse. And somebody is busy teaching you that every Sunday. Something that Christ has undone. That's what compels us. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you following what I'm saying? He was comfortable, but where was his heart? His heart was in Jerusalem. Even though you are comfortable, let your heart be in the kingdom. Let your heart be in the kingdom. You see that young man smoking. Don't just say, listen, this smoking. Hey, ah, your liver. Hey, it's your liver. And be saying, this thing is not about his liver. That man that you're talking about, his liver has a spirit. You see a sinner and all you're concerned about is the sins he commits. Not even his, the state of his soul. Attempting great things for God. I want to drive that home tonight. Even though you are serving in the king's palace, you are serving wine, you are in the top places in your company, you are in the top places of life, you have money, you can eat well. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm not just saying take care of the poor. I'm not just saying buy school uniform for, for, for orphans. I'm talking about the kingdom of God, the message, the gospel. Because one thing I realize is that Christians right now, we are being taught more to be good to the poor than to preach to the poor. Jesus came and says, the poor have the gospel to them. A poor man that is not giving the gospel is just a sinner that is well taken care of by saints. If a man is not born again, everything you do for him still ends in this part of the world. Jesus says the poor have the gospel preached to them. Our first responsibility to the poor is to preach to them the gospel. Are you following what I'm saying? The people that you're paying their school fees, do you share messages with them? Or you don't care? It's just good. Ah, after all, ah, hey, we are picking. No, no. Are you sharing the good news with them? Are you discipling them in the things of God? See how quickly we forward jokes 
See how quickly we forward lies. Ah, 20 people have just died. A truck just killed people. Pray. Brr, broadcast message. And yet you will have a teaching of God's word. You say, well, I don't want to intrude into people's private spaces. But yet you can intrude with lies and mockery and all kinds of things. You see, the more the enemy can get us not to be passionate about the kingdom, the more he slows down the advancement of the purposes of God. Praise God. You know, God is, in my life, and I must tell you this, in my own life, I've seen that word God, Ketrin Kuman used to say, he says, God is not looking for golden vessels. He says, God is not looking for silver vessels. He says, God is looking for yielded vessels. In my life, I have realized that when a man yields to the Lord, God will do the impossible through him. Praise the name of the Lord. If you yield, if you just say, Lord, just use me. It's like God is almost waiting for someone to pass through. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We're about planting a new work. I'm going to talk about that upper Sunday. We're about planting a new church in Porakot. And, and I was telling my wife, Porakot is not a place that I like. It's not, it's not something I, it's not even what I pray about. I don't like the place. I don't know why I don't like major cities. You know, people have to yeah, go to Lagos. I don't know. But as the doors began to open and as the things began to open, I just told my wife, I said, listen, if I have my way, this is where I'd like to go plan and work. But if the Lord wants, wants us to do something here and build something here, why not? We're just saying yes to the Lord. And it is almost like, for, for, for the team we've been working on, it, it is almost like uh, God was just waiting for us to say yes. It's one miracle upon the other. One thing upon the other. One thing upon the other. Just lining up. Just lining up. You'll be amazed at what God will do in your life if you will yield to him. How do I know that? Nehemiah did not have the resources to build Jerusalem. But you know what? He did. And he built the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. Incredible, the resources that Jeremiah, um, sorry, Nehemiah got to build the walls. And you know what? When God saw his heart, God gave him the resources. If God will see your heart for the kingdom, he will put the resources in your hands. But you know the challenge we have? We start with a nice heart. And as the resources begin to come, then people begin to share with us. You know, in this life, you have to be wise. You know, you have children coming up, and the way the economy is going, you have to secure their future. And in an attempt to secure the future, you enter a race that you never come out. Then you have to ask yourself, that, and I need to ask some of you, some of you that the Lord had blessed, you will ask yourself, what did your fathers do to secure your future? There was no security. It was the mercy of God. Because they didn't even have what it is to secure your future. Now you think you're wiser. No, you're not. I'm not saying you shouldn't do what you need to do. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? But I'm saying that that will not be what occupies us night and day. There is something called the kingdom of God that God wants us to be involved in. When last did you get someone to church? 
When last were you passionate about someone and say, listen, I need to get you to church. I need you to hear the word of God. I need you to listen to this message. Some of you would not have been born again if someone was not after you. If someone didn't come after you. If someone was not after your case. Some of you did everything you can not to be born again. You just tried until someone says, listen, you must get born again. Some of you, it was, it was girls you followed to church. You, 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 you didn't plan to come and hear the pastor. You chased the girl and chased and chased and chased and she used that to bring you to church. Okay, if you come to church, I'll follow you. And you came and got born again. And for some of you, you still regret that, uh, <laughs> that if I had known, I would have followed the other girl because I was going to the club. Some of you, it was that, that was the only way God could get your attention. But you realize that you realize that God cannot get a man saved. Angels cannot get a man saved. Salvation can only come when another man preaches the gospel. You know what God told Peter? Cornelius. He says, I'm going to tell Peter to come preach to you words that you should be saved. And you know why I say God is looking for yielded vessels? The Bible says, while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Ghost fell. It was like God was just waiting for Peter to open his mouth so he could use that. Attempt great things for God. We're about entering another year. We're going to set goals. We're going to set things we want to do. Where is the kingdom in that? Look at what Nehemiah said. Let's, let's read on. So Nehemiah went, right? In the night, verse 11, so I came to Jerusalem. Let's look at verse 10. Uh, when Sambalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official head of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Can you imagine? Nehemiah says, I want to go build the, 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 the walls of Jerusalem. Some people heard it and they were disturbed. It's the same thing when you say you want to do the work of God. People will be disturbed. I can't tell you how many counsel I received at, at a young age when I, when I sent the call to ministry. The thing, the thing is, I, I thank the Lord. It's the Lord has given me, based on the way my nature is, is God, God has given me a very uh, strong, adventurous will. And I thank the Lord that God has used it for the gospel. I don't believe that anything I do will fail. I don't believe it. And if I'm doing something and you say I'll fail in it, I'd rather continue and fail in that thing. That's my kind of person. I'll do it. <laughs> and the Lord has used that for the gospel. But I can't tell you how many counsel I received. I remember uh, one of my wonderful auntie. I've always wanted to be a lecturer. So I told him, I sense the Lord is calling me into ministry and I want to go into ministry. He said, ah, but you always wanted to be a lecturer. I said, yes, but the Lord is changing the direction. He said, ah, there are lecturers who are pastors. <laughs> and she said one word she said you want to walk here and can't this same work be done here you know all the excuses I remember one of my uncle was, was in the state house of assembly so I met him he says oh, you're a very brilliant boy why, why do you want to, to, to do ministry work I said well that's what the Lord has said he said okay this one you're saying that's what the Lord has said that's what many people say oh. and this one that you're coming to my house I don't want to hear tomorrow that you come and beg me for what to... In fact, 
I receive more cautions than advice. I don't want to hear. Don't call me. This one. Now, I mean, you live there and you're wondering. Praise God. And one day I told myself, I said, well, we'll do ministry. If we fail, we'll fail. If we succeed, we'll succeed. And thank God for his messes. Thank God for his messes. I'm sure if I'd listened to a lot of people, I'd not be here today. Why can't I use my most beautiful years for the kingdom? Why can't I use my intelligence for the gospel? Why can't I use my energy for the gospel? Why can't I use my passion for the gospel? Why? It's because every time you seek to do something for the gospel, there are people who would always discourage you. Every time you say you want to pray, that's when you remember that there's soup in the fire. Every time you say, have you realized that any day you say you want to fast, all of a sudden all your friends start cooking pizza. This pizza, you have not tested my pizza once. <laughs> I say, well, we are ah, no, what is you can start your fast tomorrow before you realize you, you're having pizza supply daily. No, I, I, let me no observe this. Every time you want to do something spiritual, make up your mind that you want to give to God. They are going to call you. Somebody's about to die. Real, no, check it. Check it. Anytime you want to do something for God, something will come up. That's why a lot of people don't even give their tithes. It's not about Old Testament or New Testament. Before they realize, they have spent the 100% and it's not enough. So it's not whether it's old or new. There are, there are believers who don't even care whether it's Old or New Testament. They don't even care. They just want to give to God. But they realize that it is not there. So until you decide to jeopardize your life and say, listen, this belongs to God and I'll give it, you will never be a giver. If you're not deliberate about giving to the kingdom, you will look at the end of your life and realize that you did not spend. It happened in my own life. Two years ago, I, I, I looked, because every year I, 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 I take a look at our giving. I looked at our giving. And I told my wife, I said, listen, we're giving to more people than giving to the kingdom of God. And, and giving to people is good, it's beautiful. But I said, listen, we're paying house rent, we're paying this, we're paying that, we're doing this, we're helping this school, we're helping that. I said, what is going to the preaching of the gospel? What is going to help the preaching of the gospel? This is helping people. But what is actually going to help the preaching of the gospel? What is going to support ministers? What's going to support TV programs and books and things that are going on? And that's why uh, this year, as a ministry, when we gave, we gave to the Bible Society of Nigeria that's helping to translate Bibles in different languages in the country. That's the kingdom of God. To make sure that people who cannot read English have access to the word of God so they can hear the gospel. That's what I'm talking about, kingdom. I'm not talking about good works. I'm talking about things that are directly in connection with what? With the gospel. So that men can find salvation. The most precious thing any believer must be willing to communicate to another human being is salvation. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? That should be the most precious thing. We shouldn't treat our salvation lightly. 
It is amazing now that even some believers are saying that there is no difference between a Christianity and Islam, that we're all serving the same God. That's, where, that's how low we have fallen. You see someone living in sin, and you say, well, uh, I cannot judge. You don't really know who is serving God and who is not serving God. That's how far our theology has come. We don't understand the importance of salvation anymore. It's not in our heart to communicate it. If we say, for instance, we're not going to have church on Sunday, let's all go into the streets and preach the gospel. You realize that some people don't even know the gospel. The next thing they will say is give your life to Christ or you will burn in hellfire. That's not the gospel. In the first place, the gospel is not giving your life to Christ. That's the wrong phrase. Because you were dead in sin and trespasses. You had no life to give to him. The gospel is you accepting the gift of God's salvation. You did not give your life to Christ. You accepted his life. That's what makes you saved. And after accepting his life, you now commit your life to him as an act of consecration. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you were dead in sin and trespasses. You had no life to give. You had to receive his life. So, verse 11, so I came to Jerusalem. I was there three days. Then I rose in the night. And a few men with me. I told no one what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Are there things God is putting in your heart to do for the kingdom? I'm going to, I'm going to spend time. We're going to spend almost three, three, maybe three parts teaching on this. Are there things God is putting in your heart to do for his kingdom? I'm talking about kingdom now. So he says, I didn't tell anyone what God has put in my heart. Nor was there any animal with me except the one I rode. And then he went through, through all of that. And why did God put this in the heart of Nehemiah? Because God knew that Nehemiah was going to respond to it. You see, God will not communicate kingdom commitments to you if he knows you will not respond. Hallelujah. Let's look at this town, for instance. There are regions in this town that still need to hear this word. You can take the gospel to them. Yeah. You can take the gospel to them. You know, I've always been passionate about God's work. And I've shared my story many times. I won't take time to share it. But one of the reasons that makes me passionate about God's work is I saw the mercy of God in my life. And I keep telling myself, if the Lord had not intervened, when I look at the direction of my life, I want to help many people to get it right. I remember I started a campus fellowship when I was in school. It didn't, it didn't succeed, but it was good. I made an attempt. It failed, but it was good. And I learned many lessons. I've always tried to do something for the Lord. I've always tried to make sure that people get the truths of God's word. I remember my first mission trip to Cameroon. And thank God for my dear wife. We had saved, we had saved uh, 80,000. That was a ticket. I can't forget that experience because it's a very funny experience. I had a three weeks mission trip to Cameroon. That was all we had. In fact, when I got married to my wife, I told her, I said, you need to be very sure. And I had a notebook where I wrote all those things. I said, you need to be very sure because I cannot promise you prosperity. 
It wasn't as if I, was, I didn't have a vision. It wasn't as if I didn't have a goal. But I, I didn't know where this yieldedness to the Lord would lead me. So I didn't want to make promises. You know, some of you married your wife and promised that, you know, one day I'm going to be the president, you'll be the vice president, and all that. <laughs> I'm going to be the governor of my state. Don't underrate me. I'm going to be the richest man in Africa. I, I, didn't, want to, I didn't want to give out all of those fantastic promises. And later when they ask you, you say, it's not my will, but the will of the Lord be done. You know? But I, I said, this path we're chosen. I don't know where it will take us, but we just yield to the Lord. And we just got married not quite long, and the door opened for me to go to Cameroon, my first international mission trip. I'm talking about the things God put in your heart. And I said to you that God will not put certain things in your heart, except what? Except you will respond to them. Do you understand that? And... Uh, then, what's the name of that airline? Can you remember? Bellevue. Bellevue. Was it Bellevue? Maybe Bellevue. And uh, I think it's Bellevue. Uh, uh, we bought the ticket, sent to someone in Lagos, bought the ticket. Not knowing that the airline was having a crisis. They couldn't, uh, that was the year they shut down. So we bought the ticket a couple of months before. So I got to the, to the day, and my first international trip, you know how excited you are going to preach the gospel to the nations, you bounce to the airport as if it's your father that built it. I, I kept looking, I kept looking, I didn't see the Bellevue stand. So I asked the guy that, I'm supposed to fly today. Ah, they said, what time? He showed me tickets. Ah, Bellevue, they have closed. Ah, closed where? <laughs> Is it closed counter? Or I realized they were in a deep crisis. They haven't flown in the last one month. So I got to the, to the Bellevue office in, in Lagos there. They went to their, their office now from the airport. And uh, I saw, it, uh, <laughs> I saw, you know, sometimes you think you have problems until you meet other people's problems. And then you now start encouraging them. So I met a guy there. The guy was crying. Now when you see a man crying and, you know, he's just crying like a woman and things are bad. When you see a man crying and his nose is flooding and his eyes are flooding, you know that... You can't ask the man what is wrong. You have to ask other people. So I said, what's the problem with the guy? I've forgotten that I came to solve my own international mission trip. The guy's wedding was Saturday. This was Thursday. Our meeting started on Friday. The guy's wedding was Saturday. The only plane that came from London then was so full. He was the only one that got uh, a seat, right? Because of the problems they were having. So they promised that the wife... The week before. So they promised the wife was going to come that fight, that fight, that Thursday that we were there. So the, he came the upper week, the Thursday that he was there, and then the wedding was Saturday. Now they had said no plane was coming from there. And the guy didn't have any money. So you understand the situation. Your wedding is Saturday, you are here, your wife is in London, and this is Thursday. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you realize that? And so we, we started consoling the guy and 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 so when I saw that guy's case, I know that there was no hope for me. You, you, you understand? Because if there was hope, these are the kind of people to attend to. The whole office, we didn't know who was in Bellevue. I mean, the whole place was scattered. And I, and I got back, so I called my wife. I said, this is what has happened. And I told myself, you know how you have told people you are going abroad, and then you realize you don't have visa, and they have not sent forth for you. How do you come back home? So I told my wife that I am going this mission. Uh, we will go. I stayed in Lagos, called a few friends, and then I raised the money. So I spent about three days trying to raise the money, and I went. But I want to talk to you about that commitment. 
What makes you take all the saving you have to buy a plane ticket to go and preach? And remember, this is not preaching for honorarium. And three weeks, we preached the gospel in Cameroon. And that preaching the gospel in Cameroon, some of the trips we made were overnight on back of trucks. I've shared the story here of how the police detained me because of yellow card. I had my yellow card in Douala and we were going to another city. And I didn't know in Cameroon, everybody carried ID card. So I carried only my international passport, do yellow card. So they stopped me. Checked my passport, where's your yellow card? I said, it's in Douala. They said, okay, fine. Stay here, let your friend go and bring it. I said, no way. At least I'm preaching the gospel, but there's still common sense that I came with from Nigeria. When everybody speaks French, I should allow my friend go to go and bring yellow card. I said, no way, he's not going. They said, okay. They are going to take me to go and eject me and give me the yellow card. I'm like, no way. They are not going to eject me anything. I mean, I'm French police are kind of very funny. And we were there from 8 o'clock to 2 a.m. in the night. And about 2 a.m., a car fell off. We're talking to so one of the complimentary cards that I had then fell off. And then the guy read it. I said, oh, okay, you're truly a pastor. You people can go. How do you start going at 2 a.m.? So we walked past them a bit, and then we saw this truck coming with all kinds of things on it. We had to flag it down. And we traveled from 2.30 when we saw that truck till 7 o'clock where we're going. And the meeting was to start by 7.30. So we landed. I got to the place 7.30, and I started preaching. Commitment for the gospel. What compels you? What will make you make that kind of sacrifice? Don't you care about your life? But if men will do everything for an earthly king, how much more will do for a heavenly king? Why can't we go the extra mile for the gospel? Let's read verse 18 quickly. And I told them of the... Okay, well, the, you know the whole people and all that. And I told them of the hand of my God which had been good upon me. And also of the king's word that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. The kingdom of God is a good work. Whatever you do for the kingdom is good work. It's good work. Have friends that will encourage you to serve the kingdom. I'm not saying everybody should become a pastor. But I'm going to show you in the course of this teaching the things we can do for God, for the kingdom. Look at this. But when um, Sambalat and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem of Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? Many times when you're doing God's work, men will laugh at you. Men will laugh at you. Many times. When you start going about the kingdom, when you start preaching, people will laugh at you. Try and preach in the market. <laughs> you see how, well, now these people preach in the market and collect offerings, so they don't laugh at them now. But go try preach and see how people will laugh at you. See how people laugh at Christian values. See how people laugh at godly things. Attempt to share the gospel in your office and people will laugh at you. Attempt to be committed in your church. You will say, ah, you are just loyal to a man. We can't even talk about loyalty nowadays in church. Ah, you are worshipping your pastor. We can't talk about loyalty. 
almost ashamed to identify with the ones that lead us. Because you would look like a man who is not reasoning. How can a matured man like you? Oh, this religion nonsense. I think, be logical. And see how godless our world has become. See how far we've thrown all sense of values and ethics out of the window. We can't even keep our words anymore. Someone will tell you something. Uh, you know, today I, I went to, to we get, went to get some lines for, for the Podako church. And uh, we went to a particular office and we went to another office. But I told the people that I was coming, I'm going to come back and do this. And uh, uh, in the MTN office. So when we went to the Glow office, we saw the kind of numbers we love. But on our way going, I was telling the guys with me that, we already told these, these ladies in the MTN office we were coming back. But we didn't need the number again. But I told them something. I said, I already told them I was coming back. I need to keep that word. Even though I didn't need the number, I went there, did everything, registered it, just kept it. Why? Because I've told them I was coming. If I give you my word, I'm going to come to do something, I will have to do it. Because it invalidates the gospel that I preach. You realize that if I don't keep my word, the next time I don't keep my word, one day they're going to hear me preaching. They said, ah, I said, don't mind that man. He came to our office. He said, I was coming till today. We have not seen him. It will invalidate everything I'm preaching. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you have to go the extra mile to keep your word, not because of your convenience, but because of the sake of the gospel. So that the day you would have the opportunity to preach the gospel to those people, they will not be turned off. The reason most of us cannot commit to the kingdom is our character has assassinated the message already. In the office, you have insulted people's wives. You have talked about people's wives. Discussion is around girlfriend, 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 girlfriend. So the day you, you mistakenly brought your Bible to church, to, to, to your workplace, and the mistake is that the bag you carried to church that Sunday, you didn't know you forgot to remove the Bible. So you just came to the office late and you were thinking you were bringing five and you brought the Bible. And he said, ah, do you even read the Bible? He said, no, someone actually sent me to, to... You are ashamed. Because why? Your life is contrary to the book. All your discussions, you have insulted everybody. We cannot attempt great things for God if we don't put our lives in order. May our daily life not become the greatest hindrance to the message of salvation. Are you following what I'm saying? Coming to church is overrated. It's not just about coming to church. It's living the very life of the gospel. That's why we need to plant more churches. That's why we need to preach. That's why we need to go on missions. Attempting great things for God. Last verse. Verse 20. So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we are, we his servants will arise and build, but you will have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Would you have a heritage in the things of God? We're going to build on this when next I teach. Attempt great things for God. Would you have a heritage? He says, listen, we're going to do this, but you're not going to have a memorial. Today we talk about people like I'm a simple MacPherson and Catherine Coleman and all the wonderful people, William Wilberforce and all the godly men that God used to shape our society. Would our only memorial be the natural things we acquired 
Or will our only memorial be the prosperity that God has given to us? Or we're going to have a spiritual heritage that we're part of those who rebuilt the church, who brought the gospel to people. Hallelujah. It says we will arise and the God of heaven will prosper us. One thing I realize in life is this. Once you set your hand to do something for God, the God of heaven prospers you. He opens the door. He causes the ideas to come. He brings men your way. Praise the name of the Lord. I want us tonight to reevaluate our commitment to the gospel. Amen. Reevaluate our commitment to the kingdom. Let's not get tired of God's work. Let's press on. Let's get more people saved. Let's get more of our, of our friends in church. You know, sometimes you say, I've been inviting them. They don't want to come. If you see a child going to fire, would you just say, don't worry. Oh, the fire is not good. Please. No. You're going to snatch them. Some of our friends need to be snatched. They are on their way to destruction. They don't know. They don't have an idea. The God of this world has blinded their eyes that the light of the glorious gospel will not shine. It is our responsibility to make sure that the gospel shines on them. That's why as a minister of the gospel, I try my best to maintain my focus on this assignment. Because we can get easily distracted. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's do more for the king. Let's do more for the kingdom. Let's do more for the kingdom. Let's make a heart. Let's ask God to help us to expect great things from him. And that we're going to attend things for God. Let's be on our feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, we just give you praise. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Because we're going to be radically committed to the advancement of the kingdom. We're going to contribute to spreading the gospel all over the world. Making sure that people are taught right. Making sure that people learn right. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father like Nehemiah, we will be able to say that the God of heaven will prosper us. And we will be able to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Thank you Heavenly Father. In Jesus mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's quickly get up. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.